Good morning. I use the word good loosely. It is still early. Uh, so, okay, quick question. Who here forgot to set their clocks forward? And they were usually come to the 830 service, but because they forgot, they're here. Anybody? Excellent. You guys are doing better than I did. I almost forgot to come this morning. Uh, so excellent. Well, great. Well, we had people last night who, who usually come on Sundays, but they're like, I'm, I'm going to Saturday night because I'm not getting up an extra hour early. Uh, and I was like, that is really smart. I, uh, Joe said I couldn't do that. Uh, so I am here today. No, did you... Random fact, did you know that daylight saving time is optional, uh, at least for Arizona? Arizona, uh, most of it does not uh, observe daylight saving time. And I didn't know that uh, you could choose, but they have chosen somehow. And I, I don't blame them. I think it's probably because they don't want to be out in the heat any longer than they have to. Um, and so, but they, them in Hawaii, Hawaii, I understand, it's beautiful there at any time of the day. Uh, so they don't really care about time. You forget about time, island time. Uh, but Arizona kind of threw me off. Uh, and before we go any further, got to get this out of the way. This is the world's cutest little girl. Uh, that is... Thank you, thank you. Uh, I, I did a lot. Uh, my wife has no idea uh, what I went through uh, for that. I, I can say that because she's already walked off stage. Uh, no, yes, Torin is her name, and she uh, is healthy. She's doing really well. Uh, her brother, Limerick, is warming up to her really well. He always wants to hold her and help feed her uh, for about two seconds, and he's over it. Uh, but he's doing really well. Kelsey's doing well. Um, it's, it's interesting, though, is with Limerick is I was very protective when he was born of him for about a week. And then after a week, I was like, okay, he's a boy. He's good. Like his past, he would fall on the ground. I just wipe it off and give it back to him. I, I let anybody hold him like, oh, you have the flu. Here, hold him. Uh, I was like, it doesn't matter. You have arms. And, and so I would let anyone hold him and he would fall. And he I'm like, oh, wipe it off. Like, you're good. Uh, you're, you're fine. Stop crying about it. But with her, like any, like she starts to, to she whimpers. I'm, I'm right there grabbing her. Limerick comes over and he wants to touch her. I'm like, don't, don't touch her eyes. Don't do this. And he's sitting there. And, and then, so when she turns uh, 13 and she, she starts dating uh, at 27, uh, it is going to be, it's going to be really hard for me uh, as a dad. Uh, but, but it's exciting. It, it's, it's fun. And if you would like to hold her, uh, you can go after service and talk to the children's director, Melissa. She is going to be in the nursery. And so Melissa is always looking for new uh, volunteers in the children's ministry. So go talk to her and she can get you on the waiting list uh, to hold her in the nursery. <laughs> and I want to brag on uh, some of my leaders. So while I was gone, I have an amazing group of leaders I get to work with each week on Wednesdays with our students. And while I was gone, they did a phenomenal job without me. They do a phenomenal job every week, but they uh, really stepped it up uh, and, and made it like I wasn't even there. So much so that when I came back last week, the students were like, who are you? And so it hurt a little bit, but I was glad uh, to do it. And, and they're, they're not Bible scholars. They're... Uh, they're not pastors, at least not in title, but in function they are. Uh, they are just people who love Jesus. And because they love Jesus, they serve our students. And if you have a student in the ministry, 7th through 12th grade, know that there's an amazing group of people who are pouring into your students' lives, who are, who are walking through life with them right now. And we would love for you to come see what that's like. We're actually having a parent meeting this uh, Wednesday night at, at uh, around 6.30. We'd love to invite you to come see a little bit what Collide is like. And if you have a, a sixth grader, is your student's going to join us in the summer and so be able to go to camps and everything and all of our events starting uh, right the day after school ends. And so we would like to invite you to come hear about what 
camp's going to be like, what CIY is going to be like, and all that, that detailed information this Wednesday, though. Uh, does anyone here like movies, like consider themselves a movie buff? I, I love movies and all types of movies. I, I, I love action, adventure, war movies, romantic comedies. Don't judge me. I love uh, anything like sci- sci-fi, science movies, um, historical, anything like that. I love. There's one type of movie I, I will not watch, and that's like horror movies, uh, uh, gore movies. I, I don't like. I don't like scary movies. It's not for me. I like. I like feel-good movies. I like uh, things that are, are a little bit lighter. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, she loves scary movies. And she uh, conned me one time into watching one when we were dating. I'm like, okay, I really like this girl. Like, I will watch it. And so we went over and uh, to their house and uh, with her brother and sister, and we were watching this movie. And it, it was very scary. And then I was like, okay. And I'm like, okay, it's over now. And they're like, well, we'll see you later. Have a good night. We're staying here. You have to leave. Uh, don't let the, the boogeyman come out. And it, it, it freaked me out. And so I'm, I'm checking all my doors in my apartment. My roommate was gone. And so it, it was scary for me. Uh, but I don't watch scary movies. I tell her every time a new one comes out, she's like, let's, let's go watch. I'm like, mm Like, I'll watch the kids. You get somebody. You go, you go do that. Enjoy. It's not for me. And, and I loved uh, in college and after I graduate, going to the dollar theater because I'm what you kind of call a, a cheapskate. And so I'd rather go pay a dollar for a cruddy movie theater than $15 for opening weekend of a movie. And so I can watch 15 movies for the price of watching one movie in a really nice theater. I'm not going to get popcorn and drinks. And so I'm there to watch the movie. And so I would do this a lot. And I think my love of movies comes from my mom. And so growing up, my mom had, had a really bad addiction. Uh, it's called Blockbuster. Uh, and so thankfully, it went out of business because uh, we would have been bankrupt probably. Uh, but we had, uh, anytime we went to the store, we would go, or went to town, there would be a Blockbuster. We would go and we'd check out what movies were for sale, what movies were, were new to rent. And so at one point, we had over a thousand movies. And not like DVDs now where it takes up like no space, but the VHSs. Uh, and so we had uh, so many movies and so much so that the children's home uh, we grew up at uh, people would come and borrow our movies because my mom would get the latest things. And so we were always watching movies, and it was just a passion of mine. And one of my favorite movies is a movie called Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. And if you've ever seen that, it's about a, a guy and a group of people who can infiltrate people's dreams and influence them to do different things um, and, and make these realities inside their minds. And so it's a real interesting, twisty kind of concept as things unfold throughout it. But, but the movie, it starts off with Leonardo DiCaprio washing up on the shore of a beach. And he wakes up and he sees some kids playing off in the distance. And then some guards come and take him to this uh, older gentleman that they seem to know each other. Um, And so it's the end of the movie. It's how it ends. And so technically, we've seen the ending. We know what happens. And so we don't have to watch the rest of it. We know, okay, he makes it to the old man. But but that's not enough, is it? We want to know how they got there, what happened, what events led to him landing on the shore at the end. And so just like, uh, just like that movie, I'm going to do that with today's message. I'm going to give us our end goal, what we're shooting for up front. And this is going to be the shortest sermon ever. And <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, it's found in Romans chapter 10. And uh, it says this in verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, that's our end goal. That's what we're aiming for. That's what we want to accomplish. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
And Pastor Joe said it couldn't be done in under 10 minutes. So let me pray, and then we're going to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, just like with Inception, that, that's not enough. We, we want to know, well, what steps took did it take to get to that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? And so if you haven't already, go ahead and open your Bibles up to Romans chapter 10. Uh, and it's going to be on the screen. It's in the app under the, the, mess, uh, the notes. Uh, if you're using a Bible app, we're using the English Standard Version today. Uh, and so uh, go ahead and pull that up. There's also a Bible in the seat back in front of you. Uh, and so Romans was probably written during uh, Paul's third missionary journey, which would have been around AD 57. And so he writes this message to a church in Rome. And so we're not sure if Peter started this church. We're not sure if uh, Paul started this church. Some people think maybe even after uh, the day of Pentecost that some of those people who were there speaking the multiple languages might have went back to Rome and started a church from what uh, they experienced there. Uh, and so, but Paul's writing this letter and he addresses particular issues of concern to the Roman church. And specifically, he addresses matters of interest for a church that's made up of Jewish believers and Gentile believers. Gentile means non-Jewish people. So you and I technically are Gentile believers. And so he's writing this group. And so there's a church made up of two different groups and they think that what happened is the Jewish people were kicked out of Rome by the emperor for about five years during this period. And so they come back and there's this church that's been made up of only Gentile believers for about five years. And now the Jewish people are coming back home and they are at war with each other a little bit. They're talking about uh, uh, different things they have to follow. So the Jewish believers said, hey, you need to follow the Mosaic law. You need to follow these 613 commandments. You need to do these things. And, and the Gentile believers, they're saying, no, we have freedom in Christ that we don't have to follow a, a set of laws anymore because we believe in Christ. And so they're going back and forth with each other. And so Paul is writing, telling them what they need to be doing, how they need to be acting. So we're gonna pick up in verse nine of chapter 10. And it says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one is confesses and is saved. So it says you must believe. You must believe in your heart. Let's look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say you, you must know in your mind. No, it says believe in your heart. Quick survey. How many of you know things that you should or shouldn't be doing, and because of that, you're either doing or not doing those things? Like, like an example, I know I should be eating more salad. I know that. It's, it's healthy for you. It's good for you, but I love burgers, and so I eat burgers. Uh, I know that I should go to bed early. It says early to bed, early to rise makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise. I know that, but staying up till midnight's fun. Uh, that's, I, I enjoy that. Uh, and so I know these things, but it doesn't mean I'm going to do these things. And it's the same thing. If you can know something and still not doing it, but believing, if you believe something, it leads to action and knowing may or may not. And so like my children, I believe that education is important. And so they're going to go to school. I believe that their relationship with Jesus is even more important. And so I'm going to make sure they're in church and they're going to church events and reading their Bible and praying and growing as a believer, I, I know that giving them ice cream before they go to bed is not good, but it tastes good. Uh, and so I may or may not do that. Uh, and so, 
but believing leads to action. Because I believe it, I'm going to do it. And, and then it says this. It says you must confess. You must believe in your heart, and you must confess with your mouth. Because you believe, you now confess that Jesus is Lord. And whenever I talk with someone about baptism, uh, this line always comes up at some point. And I tell them is baptism is an outward showing and an inward change, meaning that because of what God is doing in your heart is now the next step is to be baptized like Jesus was baptized. And, and so I say that and it's the same concept. Because uh, you believe in your heart, now you confess that Jesus is Lord. It, it comes out, it wells out of you. Because of your belief, you now confess and your belief is not something that you keep to yourself. It's something that you share. And now I'm not saying that if you confess, hey, Jesus is Lord, boom, you're saved, everything's good. No, no, it comes back to belief. You have to believe in your heart. You can say something and not mean it. You can't have true confession, though, if you don't believe. And do you really believe that God raised Jesus from the dead if you're not willing to tell people about it, if you're not willing to confess it? These two, belief and confession, they work in tandem together. You can't have one without the other. Let's continue in verse 11. It says, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul is talking again about that division in the church, how the Jewish people say, hey, we're, we're God's chosen people, which they were until Jesus came and said, if you follow me, you are now children of God. And so he, he's warning them about this, about this faction that's been created. And so Paul tells us what the end goal is. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he goes from there, he starts working backwards. In a movie, it's called reverse chronology. And you start at the end and you work backwards to figure out how you got there. And so that's what Paul does, is how do we get to everyone being saved? And so he says this in verse 14 following. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. You guys work with someone who's a, a not my job person. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like they take the last cup of coffee and they don't make a new pot. It's not their job. It's someone else's. Or, or they use all the paper in the printer and they're like, not my job. It's the admin's job to refill the printer. Or, or maybe there's a piece of trash laying on the ground by the trash can. It's, I'm not going to pick that up. It's not my job. That's the janitor's job to do that. Or maybe they're like this person who's a line painter, and it's not their job to move the tree. That, that's the forestry department. And it's not my job. I don't have to do that. Whose job is it? It says that people are sent. So who is sent? Well, if we look at verses 14 and 15, the end of verse 14, it says, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? Well, well, looking at just these two verses, it sounds like it's the jobs of a pastor. It, it's my job. It's Pastor Joe's job. It's Pastor John's job. We are the ones to tell people so they get to that end goal. But let's, let's change two words in this. Let's change preaching to teaching and preach to teach. And let's read uh, the last part of verse 14 again. It says, how are they to hear without someone teaching? And how are they to teach unless they are sent? 
Okay, well then that rate, it's it's the job of someone who can communicate clearly, someone who's articulate, and it's the the Aaron's of the world, not the Moseses. It's someone who, who can clearly describe the gospel and speak clearly. I, I want to look at another passage, though, real quick. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. This is after Jesus has risen from the grave, and he is talking to his disciples, and we call this section the Great Commission. He says this in verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What Jesus is saying is, if you've been saved, you've been sent. If you've been saved, you've been sent. It's your job. It's your job. It's my job. It's everyone who has believed in their heart, confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's it's our job to go. And you might be saying, I'm a plumber, I'm a CEO, I'm a vendor, I'm retired. I don't have the degree. I don't have the knowledge. Neither did the disciples. They were ordinary people, fishermen. There was a tax collector, an extremist. But what they did have, what Jesus had done in their lives, so they told people, hey, Here's how Jesus has done things in my life. Here's the thing I saw him do, the healings he did. And so they told people about what they knew, what they had experienced. So what are we to do? How are we to tell people? It is our job to go and teach people and tell people so they can get to the end goal of being saved. What are we to do? Well, the first thing we can do is we can pray about it. We can pray that God would give us the words to say, the courage to say it, the right things to say in someone's life. We can pray that he would let us cross paths with someone. Maybe it's a family member who's been hesitant to the gospel or, or against hearing the good news. Maybe it's a coworker who has been uh, who needs to know about Jesus. Maybe it's a family member or, or, or a child or a neighbor that you can go tell about. Ask that God would allow you guys to cross paths. Something would happen. Maybe it's the, the person sacking your groceries at Allen's. Whoever it is, pray that God would let that person intervene in your life. And also pray for that person that their hearts would be open to the gospel, that that they would be softened if they're hard against it. Let them be willing to hear. Maybe this is the time that they're, okay, I've been resilient for years, but, but man, something's different has happened in my life. I will do, I'll listen to what you have to say this time. So pray for that person. And then uh, tell them by showing them. Let your life be your walk. It is the, the saying, actions speak louder than words. It's what you do is gonna, is gonna last with more than what you say. As people will remember, if you say, hey, Jesus loves you, but then you do completely opposite and, and you are rude and mean and hateful towards other people, they're, they're like, well, that's not love. So let your actions tell you what you're doing or show what you believe. And there's, there's a, a Christian writer, um, I can't think of what his name is, but he said the phrase, uh, I preach the gospel. When necessary, I use words. You preach the gospel by your actions. How you treat your employees, your, those you work with, your fellow workers, uh, your family, the way people see you, is that speaks volumes. You can talk about what God has done in your life, how he has moved, just like with the disciples, what has happened in you. It, you can say, hey, I was going down this path, and God came 
and intervened in my life and turned me around and I ended up here. And this is what he's done. You don't have to have the answers to all life's questions. You just have to know what God's done for you and your life and how he has moved. You can also invite them to church. Tell them to come here. We have services. Invite them. Let them hear what uh, Pastor Joe says what, what, what we, when we worship God. Let them see the church when we're grabbing donuts and pizza. Let them interact with people here. It is that God's spirit would be moving here in this building. Invite them to come. You can also read your Bible. Don't just read it, though. Study it. Meditate on it. Chew on the scripture over and over and see what God has to say. That's the great thing about the Bible. In Hebrews 4.12, it says it's living and active. And so things that, that you might have read a few years ago, they might have a different context now because of what you've gone through in life and, and what God has shown you in your life. And so be studying your Bible and using that. It says it's a sword. It's, it's sharp. It's used for action. Use that. Don't just come on the weekends and think, okay, well, I heard someone else talk about it. No, you study it yourself. What I'm reading about, go read Romans 10 after this. Read the whole book of Romans and study what God is doing and how he's moved in this church. And you might say, but Taylor, I'm willing to do that. I will go, I will read, I will invite, I will tell people. But what if they don't listen? What if I tell them and tell them and they're just hard-headed? What if they don't confess and believe? Then, then what? Well, look at verse 16 of chapter 10 again. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It's not your job to make them believe the good news. That, that's God's job. That's on God. We plant the seed and he makes it grow. But it is our job to tell the good news, to tell people about that. You might be the only Jesus someone sees in life. God might have placed you in that job with that person. They might have placed you at the grocery store on that person's worst day so you could intervene and tell them about Jesus, why you have a hope and what's different about your life. Our job to tell the good news. We do that through the word of Christ. It, the Bible has to be taught. The good news of Jesus has to be taught. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on the name of the Lord if they do not believe in him? And how can they believe in Jesus if they have never heard of him? How can they hear about Jesus if no one has told them about him? And how can someone tell them about Jesus if they've never been sent? We have been sent, every one of us, who have called on the name of the Lord have been sent. And if you haven't come to a place where, where you've accepted Christ yet, if you come to that place, you are then sent because you've been saved. And so now it's your job as well to do that. I want to see heaven so full in eternity that there's only standing room and we're shoulder to shoulder. It's packed. That's what we want heaven to be like. And for that to happen, everyone has to call, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord needs to be saved. But to do that, someone has to tell them the good news. You've been sent. So what's stopping you from telling someone the good news?